Hello, bonjour. This is your Captain Alex speaking here along with my co-pilot, Mo. Uh, looking at the radar today, it looks like an absolutely lovely day to listen to a marketing major podcast. Thank you for flying, Uama. Merci pour voler, Uama. And on behalf of me and the rest of your podcasting crew, we wish you a safe rest of your listen. You're listening to Marketing Major with Alex and Mo, a podcast by students for people who are curious about marketing. Let's start off by welcoming everybody to episode two of the third season here at Marketing Major. We're really bad at formal introductions. So if you have listened to the first episode, if you have made it through the entire first episode, thank you. Maybe call a friend. We don't, I don't know. Yeah, like you have a little bit too much time on your hands, I feel, if you got For through sure, the like, first episode. Make some plans. I don't know. Yeah, Dude, I mean, talk, talk to someone. Get, um, get busy. Get busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, we're just kidding. Thanks. Thanks a lot for, for pushing through and, and uh, really supporting. Listen to that first episode. We're still experimenting and figuring, figuring things out. So we do appreciate all the support we can get. And thanks for also coming back. It's great. We didn't think you'd be here. <laughs> we, we seem to be a one and done, but uh, you came back. We appreciated it. And uh, if you're new, go back, listen to the first one. It's pretty good, in my opinion. I think it's a good, it's a good um, indicator of what we're bringing this season and the energy and the vibe that we are kind of aiming for. Um, so if you're curious about how different this is going to be than last season's, I think episode, is, episode one is a great place to start for you. 100% it usually is episode one's a good place to start with anything for most people so I feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know there's a reason they all start at episode one you know yeah, there's, there's no. a good reason the pilot's never episode three it's every every show starts at episode one very good points very good points but I want to start off by um, letting our, our listeners know that if you came to listen to Jenea's soothing voice and her valuable insights, you're out of luck for today. She will not be joining us. She hopefully will be joining us on the next episode, though. But just letting you know, just setting your expectations, there's going to be no Jenea today. And I'm, I'm as bummed as everyone else. But I just wanted to let you guys know. Yeah, we know there's a secret following. There's a secret uh, Jenea following that is growing. Uh, we know that her stealing the show is inevitable. Uh However, episode two, don't give up on us yet. She'll she'll be back. We promise. Do you know, there's a lot of weird stuff happening right now. A lot Elaborate. of weird shit. You got, the, you got the election. You got crazy things happening all, all around the world. Um, I read an article the other day that um, Elon Musk came out and made a statement for SpaceX that they... Um, will no longer be adhering to the laws and the governments on earth. And they'll be kind of setting up like a Martian government for when they go set up on Mars. So like, oh, they're, they're, they, they, basically, they basically claim themselves independent of the planet earth. I'm like, where did you, where does it say you can do that? Where does it, you could do that. You could just say, I'm not here no you more. Could just, you could say, I'm actually done with all of it. Uh, we're gonna make our own rules. They haven't even gotten to Mars yet, and they're already making their own rules for. Well, really? I feel like I feel like you have to set up the rules so once you get there, people know what to do, because you can't get there and then have like chaos and then. So I get what they're doing and like trying to set up some sort of governments or governance at at least when they get there. But 
like this whole we're not from earth or like we're not like we're not really like part of earth that part just right. kind of also can we talk about martian marketing like how are you going to market on mars martian like martian marketing martian um yeah i'm not am i entirely surprised i feel like when i hear any sentence start with so elon musk made a statement recently it's like i'm scared um a little bit yeah it's terrifying you never know um and with smart people i yeah, I guess you can just decide to that's what you're going to do. And then you just it's, operate on a whole other plane. It's literally the start to every like supervillain movie. Like, like, I just learned that all like the serious technologies and like innovations that are being worked on to set up on Mars are being worked on by like separate people of the Musk family. Like they're all interconnected into the family. It's like cousins, mm-hmm. um, in-laws, whatever it may be. Like one's working on like vertical farming. The other one's working on other technologies to set up on Mars. And obviously Elon is like the head of it all. So the government is going to be like the Musks and like they're going to be this like evil superpower. And there's going to be the people trying to like, I don't know. I don't it's, know. It, just, it sounds like a terrible movie. It sounds like like medieval times. It sounds like a little, there's going to be, uh, it's going to be some sort of monarchy. And it just if you're born into the family, like you, um, yeah, I have a really uh, a really passionate discussion topic, but I wanted to wait for Janea because part of it was uh, daylight savings. And I know were you like were you the one that like hates it or I just I don't hate it. I just if there's places on Earth that are surviving without it, why are we still doing? It? Like I want everyone to be on the same page because okay. there's countries and there's the cities that don't participate. And then there's other nations that do. If certain places can can be fine without taking part in it, why can't all countries? I just I I'm not convinced of the benefits. So if, if you have the benefits ready to go, throw them at me. I just I don't understand. That's fair. That's fair. I guess we're I we're jumping into it a little bit. Um <laughs> Because I'm like, I'm very passionate about topics. Once you bring it up, I can't just not. No, no, that's hundred percent fair. Yeah. But my thing is like. I guess that makes sense. I am indifferent, which is why maybe I'm not mm. the best to talk about this. I'm indifferent because I feel like I uh, it's never that big of a deal to me. Mm. Like I we move yeah, one hour ahead or behind, and I'm hardly like, ever oh, that's uh, and right. it's like all the clocks just fix themselves now, mostly. All the I mean, digital I don't see, ones. I don't see, I don't see, yeah, unless you have some like hanging up at home and stuff, and like the car clock. You got sometimes. Do yeah, unless you're me driving to work yesterday and being terrified because you were like, "Oh, <gasps> I'm an hour late," but I'm not. Do you know, do you know what happened yesterday? Actually, uh, or no, I think it was on Sunday. Um, all all of my Google Calendar events on Sunday got pushed an hour, where they became wrong. Yes, I had to like fix all of them. Like. What's this about? Okay. So here's the thing. See, this is an example of this daylight saving thing, just like yeah. causing confusions and complications. I feel like not everyone's on the same page. If Google's on the same page as like the sun, what's going on here? You know? Yeah. If Google Calendar's not going to work, then it's not going to work. Uh, and let's, every let's... business student will either agree or will be lying that they disagree. Because once you start messing with the Google Calendar, you, that's you ruined everything. You ruined everything. I agree. There's no, there's no, you can't function without the Google Calendar. Yeah, I think it's super cool, super confusing when you can like set your calendar to different time zones. 
Um, I would not even mess with that. I feel like it would just mess everything up. I'm not well, this that. is what happened is I had like a weekly reoccurring event, like a meeting thing. And it was set to like Saskatchewan time for some reason. And so like after the daylight savings weekend, everything was like an hour earlier. And I was like, since when are we doing that? Did, mm -hmm. did I miss something? Did I miss a memo? And they're like, oh, no, that's super weird. And then they realized that they just uh, they just booked it on a completely different time zone, which I'm. Um, See, that's that's that, but that's a different issue. That's just that's like, a, I agree that there should be different time zones on Earth. No, no. It <laughs> just, the I'm thing is that with. the Saskatchewan time zone doesn't have daylight. Right. Savings. Right. And so it just it went all wacky. But I'm like, why? Yeah, why we definitely we... need to get on the same page or just like, yeah, there needs to be like a universal daylight savings time policy. Because just also like the concept of like, oh, yeah, tonight you sleep one hour less or tonight you get one extra hour. Like what's who are you to decide? <laughs> SpaceX says uh, on Mars, everyone sleeps uh, the same every night. And that's that. Yeah. Like who who told you, like who gave you this information that? Yeah, I, I Again, one it's one of less. those things. It's one of those things where I understand, but also does it really change anything for me? I'm also if, not a sleeper. I'm also not a sleeper, so it doesn't really matter. What do you mean know. you're not a sleeper? <laughs> I was looking at me like I'm a vampire. Like, what do you uh, do? No, I'm, I'm, I'm generally confused and kerfuffled right now. I have no idea what you meant by that. I just, I don't sleep that much. I don't. Like, I've never out really. Out of choice? Out of choice or just like you just you get bad sleep? Out of Like out of choice. I don't really like sleeping. <laughs> I don't. I think That's there's more fun things to be doing. You 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 remind me of my mom, but like not exactly because she's like you can always be and you can always be productive. So why are you sleeping? You'll be up doing something productive. You're I guess you guess like I want to do something fun if I can be awake. Me yeah. Me I'm like I want to get as much sleep as humanly possible without my life falling apart. That's that's kind of my angle. Right. So you're pushing that other boundary. You're like, oh, how much buddy. sleep can I get before I, it becomes a problem? I'm like, how little let me tell you can this. I get let me tell you before this. it becomes a problem? One of the one of the ways that COVID has changed my life completely. When I have my lectures in the morning and I'm I my alarm goes off and I'm waking up and all that. Now I, I used to play this this game pre-COVID where like, okay, I gotta get in the shower this time so I can be out of the house this time so I can get in the car and get the train station at that time and catch that train so I can get to class on time. Now it's like shower to my laptop, just streamlined. So <laughs> so the amount of times where I just like really push the limit to getting out of bed to like sub 30 minutes before the lecture starts and I hop in the shower and then I throw my AirPods in and I'm like, lecture has started, but I'm like brushing my teeth and doing my hair in the washroom still. Like I push it that much as much as possible. Like for the first 10 to 15 minutes of every lecture in the morning, I'm not actually at my desk. I'm still getting ready, but my AirPods are in. So I'm listening to the lecture. So to give you an idea off, of how much sleep I like. Camera off and all that stuff. Of course, of course. You're taking advantage of. I mean, camera has to be off. Like most of the time I'm in a towel. I'm in a towel like while I'm logging into Zoom. Give the fans what they want, Mo. That's all I'm going to say. No, I think that's how you get um, <laughs> a felony and not any fans. To each their own. 
Um, I also, <laughs> so I also, okay, but I also, okay. Sorry, I've just been thinking about this over the last few days. I don't like Sundays. They're a bummer. Sundays uh, are a, a weird either. day. I'm not a fan. I don't either. know what to do with them. I like the first half of Sunday because, you know, like I'm a, I'm a football fan. So, like, I wake up on the Sunday and I watch some football, yada, yada, yada. And I kind of like ignore my responsibilities for a few hours. And then, like, around that 5 p.m. mark, you're just like, Oh, <laughs> okay. So I got to get this done for tomorrow. And then tomorrow got all this stuff happening. And then this week is like looking really stressful. And then you start just getting buried in anxiety oh. and stress. That's, that's mine. So that's, for you, it's in- like you start thinking ahead at what's to come. Well, it, I'm, oh, I'm probably part of the majority here. Like it's the Sunday scaries, man. Like everyone, I feel like most people experience this. It's like Sunday comes and you just like the week just hits you before you, you know it. And you, now you're just like behind before the week even started. It's this weird feeling, but that that's, that's my issue with Sundays. What's yours? Mine is like, it's just a day that I don't know what to do with. Like it's a Mm. day off and that's fun. You don't really have to do much, but it just feels like there's nothing really going on either. And I never feel like 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 I took took full advantage of a Sunday. I never feel like I, I I used all that time. Well, you can't really do anything with a Sunday because nothing's really working as much. Like things are open, but they not as much. Mm -hmm. So it feels weird. Mm -hmm. Um, There's nothing. Nobody really shows anything on television on Sundays either. So even studios are like Sundays are not a like, sure, there's sports, but I'm like, there's nothing. Yeah. And I don't like base my life around television or anything, but it's just kind of um, weird that yeah. you're like, what can I do? Oh, maybe I can watch. No, not really. Well, maybe I can go out. Well, no, not really. I don't know. I just don't know what to do. I feel like every time I'm driving around on a Sunday afternoon, it just feels a little dead. Do you know, do you know, actually, do you know what Sundays are for? What Sundays, Sundays are for errands. But like you have to do it in the first half of the day because everyone closed early. But like that's the Sundays are for. That's the day yeah, I have to like it, take care of like those little tasks that have been kind of not getting your attention during the week. Right. But then yeah. in the morning and then once Sunday afternoon hits, it's just like weirdly dead. Like, I don't know. I don't yeah. I just don't know what to do with it. It throws me off. I was just driving yeah. home from work on a Sunday afternoon recently. Yeah. And I was like, I don't like this feeling. No reason. I think particularly I, I, nothing happened to me. But I, just, I, I, hate, mm. I hate to get I hate to get a little too deep here, but I do believe it's part of like a a bigger problem in our society. And maybe a problem is not the right word, but like you know, like in this like capital society, it's all about productivity and output, and mm. you know, go 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 all the time. That kind of gives us this like internal voice or internal pressure pressure that's like we always have to be doing something. Like there's nothing wrong with just doing nothing on a Sunday. Yeah, but I feel like even when I'm relaxing on a Sunday, like at home, mm-hmm. it just feels off. Exactly. And I think that's part of like this like notion that we've been kind of that's been kind of ingrained into our minds from like so, so young is that we have to always be contributing to some thing larger than us. Either it would be like the company we work for or our society, our city, um, our family. We always have to be contributing to something at all times. You can't just like take some time and just do nothing where like what you're doing now, because when you do nothing on a Sunday, you're not benefiting anybody else. You know what I mean? Right. And that feels wrong. That feels like I should be Maybe. doing something, you know? I don't know. Maybe.
today we are joined by Paige Gwefik, who is currently a marketing specialist at our beloved Edmonton International Airport. And she's also dabbled in the agency world in the past. We are very happy to have her on today because we've always been curious about what kind of marketing airports do and how they work with airlines and how they fit into the travel industry in general. Also, recently travel has been one of the hardest hit industries from COVID-19 and it's, it's no secret that airports are currently trying to find ways to reposition themselves for the unknown. So fasten your seatbelt, folks. It's time for liftoff. Hey, guys. Hey, Paige. Hey, Paige. How's it going? Good. I am so sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Don't even That's worry. All right. <laughs> Welcome to airport land where things just get away from you. Yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get we into that. we love to be here, and we can't wait to hear what all of that, <laughs> what what awesome. there is there. Yeah. So, by the way, I'm I'm Mo. Very nice to meet you. Um, hey. That's Alex. Yeah, I'm Alex. <laughs> nice, nice to meet, meet you guys. You. Yeah, you as well. I had a bit of bit of a hectic day today, huh? It was it was bonkers. <laughs> like, yeah. Whenever you go into the terminal, it's like, uh, okay, you go in for one thing, but how about you do ten? <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, you told me when you let us know that you're going to be a little late, you sent me the email and you said, uh, that's the airport life. You just always have to pivot. Yeah. I was wondering if you could tell us more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, when I first started the job, or well, I guess my interview, they were like, how good are you on short timelines? <laughs> and I worked at an agency before and I'm like, I think I'm pretty good. And man, stuff moves fast. Stuff changes fast. You need stuff like the next day so like for example today we were looking at some like just some signs we need in terminal just to um like help support some of our concessionaires because we've had to reroute how we use the space and that sort of thing and today it turned into arts and crafts of hey can you make a sign <laughs> and all this stuff so it just got it just got out of control so yeah that's fun that like it's fun, fun. Like a bit of fun yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like my advice would be to get good with tape and paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get good, yeah. All right, well, let's start off. Uh, introduce yourself. Give us your name. Give us your, uh, I guess, title, your position, and then a little bit about your background as well. Yeah. Um, so my name is Paige Gwafik. Um, I'm a marketing specialist at Edmonton International Airport. Um, I graduated from University of Alberta with a major in marketing back in 2014. Um, so after that, well, I spent two co-op terms um, working for Taste of Edmonton. So for 2013, 2014, it's all blur now. <laughs> um, I worked on like their, they sort of did like a rebrand. And so I supported them with um, like their web materials and worked with the agency there. Um, after that, I worked at another agency, um, and then from there, I, I started the airport in 2018. So it's been two years of, of nonstop fun, but it's been like a learning experience ever since I started. So, cool. Did yeah. you have any any prior like knowledge of the airport travel industry book while you were a marketing student at the UVA? I mean, no more than me going to Mexico and understanding what that process was like. But that's about it. Okay, but like when I go to airports, I'm always like, these are, these just look terribly complicated. Um, but it seems like when you kind of said today, your big marketing thing was like arts and crafts. So 
was I it mean, what you expected or uh, well i mean and it's changed since COVID has happened so i mean yes. a lot of what we need to do now is on a shoestring budget um like the airports i don't think a lot of people understand where we get a lot of our money from but we're in canada we're not-for-profit so in other countries oh. they'll be supported by governments um, in Canada, we're a not-for-profit, um, which means we need to support all of our revenue, like driving all of our revenue in. Um, so that's our concessions, our parking, our like airport improvement fees, um, cargo and real estate. So with all that stuff that's been going on at EIA, like we have the shopping mall and the casino and we have Aurora there as well. All of that is part of our strategy to be basically self-reliant. So as much as like, so you, you can imagine with like the like 95% drop in, in travel since, you know, COVID happened, um, we've had to definitely re rework how, how we work. So, you know, lately it's been a lot more like we need this really quick or we need to just do this temporary. So that's where sort of like coming up with a makeshift solution just has to do for the time being. <laughs> as much as you wanna go and print something fancy and get something nice done, like it's just, it is like never gonna happen. <laughs> There's some cases where it will, but yeah, you gotta pivot. Yeah, yeah, I've, it's kind of the sense I've gotten from talking to a lot of people in the marketing world that it never goes how you want it to. So it's, don't get hung up on the way you want it to go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wanna, I wanna take us back a little bit to when you were in university, I just want to get a better idea of what that experience was like for you. Like, yeah. what did you get involved in? Did you enjoy it? Were you like, I hate class, but I love everything else? Or were you one of those people who like enjoyed the learning experience too? Um, like it was an experience. I'll say that. Um, like when I first started, I like I do arts, like just do my Bachelor of Arts. And then I was like, oh, I'll go to law school. And then sort of realized maybe I don't want to do that. So I quickly like changed my mind, jumped into business and selected accounting as a major. And that was not a fit either. <laughs> I found that out very quickly. Um, so I sort of changed what I was, you know, what I was working at. I was involved with the Business Students Association. So um, one year I worked, oh, was I a design? I think I was like a designer. Um, Were you making then, the posters and stuff? Yeah, I was doing the posters and stuff. I so had that position too last year. <laughs> very nice. I did the same nice. thing, yeah living a legacy and yeah. <laughs> uh, the next year I was VP marketing. So that was sort of the extent of how much I was involved. Um, oh, I also participated in the UAMA case competition. I think we came in first. I have a picture of us with a big check and I'm like, that's nice. the only big check I've ever held in my life, so, <laughs> which is pretty sweet. So yeah, that's, that's sort of where I spent a lot of my time. Like I wasn't super, super involved. Um, I do think like the connections I made there, like as much as at, at the time, I like everyone kept telling you, like, you got to network, you got to meet people. Like I rolled my eyes at it. Cause I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that person that's like, oh yeah. Like I love to do that, but like down the road, it does come in handy. So yeah, yeah that was kind of where I spent a lot of my time. When you were doing design for the BSA, were you decided on marketing then already and so you decided to like supplement it with that or is that where you kind of found out that marketing might be for you um well so then i switched my major from accounting to international business uh -huh. and then i was kind of like I, I wasn't sure what even career you take with that like i was kind of right. 
like especially like my plan was to mostly stay in Edmonton like I wasn't going too far so then I switched to marketing and I mean it made sense like as a kid I was always crafty I was always like fiddling around with design software so I was like why didn't I figure this out earlier and I I've always had like um you know like I've had a stronger skill set in writing and communications and those sorts of things. So it just sort of made sense. I don't know why I didn't figure that out sooner. So I guess that whole process was a bit of like a vision quest for me of like, where do I need to be? And I just sort of landed sort of where I need to be. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then after, and so none of your internships or co-op terms were in agencies, right? Mm, you no. said they were taste Edmonton, And then you ended yeah. up at agency after you graduated. So how did yeah. that end up happening? Um, I applied, they were looking for an account coordinator. Mm -hmm. um, so they were based out in Sherwood Park. Um, so I just applied and we hit it off and I worked there for four years. Um, oh. Within like the first six months, I went from, uh, we had uh, an account executive leave. So I basically assumed all of their clients and I was maybe like two or three months into the job. And I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> so they just like handed me this roster of clients and I was like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> How does this work? But I'm the per sort of person that like, I prefer to jump in and just do it. So, I mean, I picked it up pretty quickly. I mean, you learn along the way. I mean, you make mistakes too. And that's all just part of the fun, so. Yeah, um, that's very comforting because as someone who's like about to graduate this year and I still don't know what the hell I'm doing, that yeah. some people, even once you graduate and you start working, you still don't know what you're doing. So I'm glad that I'm not like alone in this. Yeah, like, and I feel like as long as you sort of follow like what you like to do, like for me, and I don't know if, if everyone has this situation, but like things just sort of fall in your lap. Like once you start doing what you enjoy doing, it just sort of, it opens its own doors. And I know that sounds like the like vaguest advice in the world, but yeah. that's, I guess, my experience. And did you enjoy the agency experience? You know what? It was, it, it's great in terms of um, you'll learn really quick. Like you learn about a lot of different industries, how to manage a range of different types of clients. <clears throat> you learn about the creative process of like what it takes to, like I, I, I have familiarity with, design software um but working with professional designers and web developers and everything else like you really understand that process <clears throat> so now where I am now like uh they sort of lean on me when we do have to go external and work with them and then and they'll be like what does this look like does this look okay like is this right so you learn that process um and you learn to work quick so like like the airport I want to say it's about the same pace um of a client needs something yesterday and you get it done <laughs> it seems like it seems like even if you might if if you're someone like in most position where you're about to graduate or whatnot and you're not sure like am i am i for the agency environment where do i kind of want to go it seems like even if you don't think necessarily like you could still find value from it and even if you don't have the most experience like yourself with with your co-op it wasn't necessarily in that region it's like you're both applicable and you have a lot to gain from it yeah, like I would say working in the agency life will help you like whether you redirect or whatever you do there, it'll help you try to like figure out what you're like, what's going on and what you where you really want to be. And like you could even like latch on to a client and find that that's a good fit and you sort of want to be in that industry. So that, that could also happen. I've also worked with people that have totally switched sides from like 
the creative side, they work at an agency and then they want to be on like the client side. So they sort of like flip and change and do all that stuff. And you decided to also leave the agency side and join the client side. Yes, what went into I that did. decision? Um, I think, you know what, it's a, a change in what you're working on. So like at the agency, you'll be very, you'll have to be a hundred different places at one time. Um, and I, I was looking for more of a shift where I could drive a lot of my efforts into like just a section of what I was working on. So at the airport, I work on um, the non-aeronautical revenue, which is our parking and concessions. Um, so that allows me to spend a lot more time putting effort into those one things. Whereas with an agency, you have this little amount of time to put into something. So you're a lot more scattered. Mm. Right. Yeah. Before we get into like the, the really nitty gritty stuff of like what you do at the, at, at the airport, we, we found out that you're also a fitness instructor, like while <laughs> doing all this stuff. So like, where do, yeah. where does that come from? Um, uh, yeah. So I guess I lead two different lives. I feel like there's two of me. Um, so there's marketing me and then there's also fitness instructor me. So um, I'm a cycle star at Cycle Bar St. Albert. Um, occasionally I'm at the Windermere studio. Um, we just opened in St. Albert a month ago. Um, so four years ago, oh God, I'll back this up even further. Do you want like the long, long story? <laughs> give it to us. Yeah, give it to us. Give us the whole story. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like actually when I worked, I also did a co-op term at the city of Edmonton. That was my very first one. And because I didn't have, I'll say this, I didn't have a lot to do at the city of Edmonton. Um, I spent a lot of time just like researching like, hey, fitness trends and like healthy eating trends. And like, I spent a lot of time just kind of doing that in my own time. So I sort of went on like a health kick and I got really into fitness and all that stuff. And um, when I worked at the agency, I met another girl who went on to open her own studio, um, but she was like, hey, you should do like training and whatever. Cause we used to take people out to the park every lunch hour to go work out like the people that we just worked with. So we'd set up little workouts and do all that. And she's like, you should come teach at my studio and things didn't really work out there, <laughs> but I did all the training there. And then I um, went over to spin unity, which was in short park, which was right around the corner from my agency um, that was working at the time. So I started teaching there about four years ago, um, teaching spin classes. And unfortunately they closed in March. Um, so right after that, I was like, where do I go now? <laughs> right. So I ended up at Cycle Bar. I went to all the training there and it's, it's been fantastic. So yeah, that's what I do in my downtime. <laughs> did you, did you ever feel like chasing that, that other hobby and that other kind of part-time, that more part-time job, did it ever distract from what you felt was like your main career or did you find it like a really good supplement to that? Like, I think for, like, for a while, I did want to own my own fitness studio as well. And looking into, I think, the ins and outs of it and where it fits in the market, I don't know that that would be the best path for me. I definitely think that people that are in that industry are in it because it's a labor of love and not a labor of many money. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, I mean, I sort of figured that out. So I went from a place of, yeah, I, I would love to do this. Like I'd love to put everything on the line to maybe that would be too much. So where I am now, like I have a balance of like, you know, I can focus on like, you know, a professional career in marketing um, that's full-time, but I still have this outlet on the side that allows me to like, what I love about it is that, you know, I'm active in the community. I get to meet people. I get to like encourage people like 
change their lives, which is, I, I think that's like the best job you could have. Um, and that's really the most that I want out of it. So it gives me that balance of like both worlds. So right now I feel like content with that balance of like, I teach yeah. four classes a week and then I just go on my, you know, other thing that I do. That's, that's awesome. And I think some people also have a, a bit of a fear that their career will like consume their identity. And like, you won't have like your own, like, this is who I am. This is what I like to do. Did that at all like drive you to kind of keep doing like the, the cycling instructions like on the side? Uh, no, I wouldn't really say that. Like, I definitely find that I struggle because they're two different people that I need to be. Like, I feel like in a professional setting, like a corporate setting, you have to, I find you have to like adhere to like, these are your guidelines and this is how you should act and this is how you should dress and all these things. I like me personally, sometimes I think it's a bit hokey. Like, I think it's just like- I hate it. I hate it too. It's just so, it's so made up. It's, I was I was waiting joke. for you to jump in on that, Mo, for sure. <laughs> it's it's my biggest pet peeve with like the business world because yeah. like I'm not a very like hoity-toity like very yeah. professional business type. Just like yeah. I just want to be who I am and also like yeah. do the and also do the profession that I find interesting. Yeah, I don't think I we have think, to dress and talk specific ways to be good at our jobs. Yeah. Exactly, but the thing is, is that I've sort of learned over time that people that look and dress that way, people perceive you a different way. So then you sort of have advantages. So it's a whole other game, right? Like it's a tool. It's, it's a tool you use. I and I get it. I, yeah. I get how it helps. I just yeah. wish we didn't have to do it. You I know. know. I, I totally agree. So like working at home in my like Lulu's <laughs> and my sweatshirts has been fantastic. Like I, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want that to change. Um, but I find that sort of like a switch when I have to be like fitness person, where it's like you have to like just be out there and be weird and like be who you are and like be fun and I find those people so hard to like marry together into this one person <laughs> like yeah. I feel like I'm either leaning one way or the other yeah so yeah I think that's where I find the struggle more than anything yeah I find that interesting I think uh at university I think sometimes that is kind of where that starts with like certain clubs and how do you do things and when you come in and you want to get involved in clubs, you're like, oh my gosh, like I need this resume and I need to look like this and look like that. And then we always do our best to remind people like, hey, we're like students too. And like not every environment is exactly this like super kind of strict or or restrictive kind yeah. of thing. And I'm yeah. sure there's also like, once you get into the marketing world, there's certain environments that, that require certain personalities or certain looks. So- Mm-hmm. You can always, like even, if, if something's not vibing, then you can, you can definitely find something that does. Right. Yeah. And you, and I feel like you always know when you're being true to yourself too. Like at the agency, we could wear like ripped jeans and like yeah. whatever we wanted. Like it was chill. And like, I feel like I cannot get away with jeans where I am now. It's just like hundred percent different. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, it's probably so different at the agency world. Cause like, it's just so fun and creative that everyone kind of does whatever oh, yeah. they want and like you have like, like the the web developers sitting there with their hoods up and stuff and you're like i yeah. think <laughs> i think <it's> okay <laughs> i think i'm fine yeah i like that that they uh, let they like let us do that or let you do that in the agency world like to well, allow yeah. you to be yourself well, like i like people go there because they want to be inspired by people that are who they are right same as the mm-hmm. fitness world so like that corporate mm-hmm. offshoot is way different yeah I feel like that struggle between like being yourself and being quote unquote professional is like especially difficult in marketing, like than other than other majors and professions, just because like the the preconception that marketing is like this like fun, just like creative, you know, like 
be who you are. It's like the fun part of business. So like you want to be able to kind of express yourself, but then you get to, to the real world. It's not always like that. jump into your your career now and like your role at EIA like what what does a marketing specialist at EIA do like what because I never even thought about airport marketing and what that even means so what that looks like yeah so let's talk us through that a bit <laughs> and there's a lot of facets to it so I sort of touched on like what contributes to all that so I work with the um, business unit called air service and business development and so what we do is we make money for the airport like uh, across all those those places. So we have concessions, we have parking, cargo, air service, and real estate. <laughs> I always try to remember them all. So there's a team of three of us um, that work on all these projects. Um, basically what, what we do and, and what I focus on is I mentioned the non-aeronautical, non-aeronautical stuff. Um, we just support and create marketing materials to help wherever we need. So for parking concessions, it's a lot more of the B2C marketing. Um, like today I was looking at signage and terminals since we're only using such a small um, part of the airport now because um, we've just sort of reduced our footprint to save cost. Um, we need to make sure that what we're saying is true. We need to make sure that, you know, yes, these tenants are open and people can go there. Or, oh, this one's wrong, whatever. Um, Cause right now it's a bit fluid with a lot of our concessionaires being sort of on like not flexible hours, but they'll be changing since our, like our, our flights in and out are kind of changing, you know, week to week. Um, so that's sort of what I focus on. I also focus on the parking side of it. Um, so that's one of our largest revenue generators. Um, Value Park and Easy Parkade are the two that EIA owns. And then we also own Jet Set Parking, which is um, kind of our low cost. Um, parking products. So I do all the marketing for those, promote all those. Um, on the other end of it, uh, the cargo and real estate side is a lot more business to business. So it'll be kind of proposal based. Um, I really don't work much on those pieces, um, but that's sort of how that side goes. And then air service is kind of which airline needs love. It's <laughs> kind of yeah. how that goes. That's kind of the game. Um, so supporting them on, you know, whether, what, which destinations and which routes need, um, some support and events and yeah, that kind of stuff. Are you and the marketing team, are you guys not too concerned with like driving traffic and getting people in the airport and getting people to buy flights and things like that? Is that not what you're doing? Oh, that is what we're doing. That's more the air okay. service side. That's what they do. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So they'll be like, you can go to, where can you go right now? Uh, you can fly to Kelowna. You can fly yeah. to Vancouver. Yeah. So that's sort of what they work on. And uh, that also comes from the airlines too. So where mm -hmm. we need that support. Because we can't be in the market with every destination, right? 
Yeah. So we have to kind so, of so where out. is where is that balance drawn up between airport and airline? How like how much do they push their own flights and how much do you push flights as well? I mean, there's nothing to stop the airline from going and buying their own ads and serving them in the market. Um, but they can lean on us to help push that as well. So sometimes there can be a collaboration um, and we can set some funds aside to assist them as well. And what it does is it sort of takes the pressure off of their team if they know that they need to support that, that place. So especially the Edmonton market and, and where you can fly from here. So airports can almost act like as an additional tool to airlines to help them kind of market in certain local areas. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So if they're short any resources, but it's the other way around right now where we're, we're kind of, you know, relying on them a little bit more. So, yeah. I also feel like that, that kind of dynamic with the consumer is different because it's not like the, the your travel has tons of options. Like if you're in Edmonton and you want to travel to a different country, you have to go through the Edmonton International Airport now. So like, you don't have to like kind of force people or like entice people to actually like use your business it's very interesting to me yeah like we it, it would seem that way um but when you okay. think about places like red deer that mm -hmm. are the same distance from calgary um as they are here <laughs> um that's kind of like our not really our battleground but kind of because i mean they can either choose to hear, go here or they can choose to go to calgary and so what makes us more appealing so we work i mean our rewards program um, people can sign up for it but if you um are a regional member, which means that you're outside of the Edmonton area or you're connecting into Edmonton, you know, we sort of have some perks um, for those people. That that may change going into COVID. I don't know what that looks like actually now that I say that, but I, I that's where we've been in the past. So whether they're lounge passes or I think we've done lounge passes in the in the past. But yeah. So yeah, you would think that it's somewhere where we don't have to fight, but our biggest competitor is Calgary. That makes sense. <laughs> so it's yeah. so then when when you're looking at when you're looking at those competitors mainly being Calgary how is how do you track success with how you're is there like a war room where you guys have like red deer mapped out and you're like who's how do we get them over here like <laughs> I mean I think our real way of tracking success would be getting more direct flights so that would be when an airline identifies okay, there's X amount of people coming from Edmonton, but they're going through Calgary to fly that to this place. There must be a real market for it here. So, I mean, those relationships and breakthroughs take years and years and years. I know like some 10 years of work just to nail down an airline um, for like a service. But um, I think that would be the real indicator of success would be the air service that we have and showing that people are going to these places. So, so when you're looking at, I guess your audience and what you're trying to, how you can sort of become more successful. The airlines have a really big part to play in, in that as well. Not just, not just the people who come to the airport that we feel are at times a gimme. It's more, you have to play with, with the airlines a little bit too, and get them to come to your airport. Yeah, exactly. It's a two way. So you're, you're always selling, I mean, we're selling Edmonton to the world as well right? Like, where is Edmonton? What is Edmonton? What can you do here? Why would people be interested? Like, hey, check out the mountains. They're nice too. Look at these pictures. So, I mean, as much as we're trying to, you know, get people to fly out of our airport, there's also inbound marketing that has to happen too, that, that can sustain an airline 
I mean, it's one thing to have your flight loaded on the way out, but you got to think about that load factor on the way in too, because it has to go both ways. Right. So, so how, how closely are you working with like the city of Edmonton and Edmonton tourism to like get oh. people coming here? That is out of my portfolio, but I know, I know some of my colleagues have like weekly calls with them. So okay. that is definitely, I, I honestly, I don't really touch that area of it. I stick to the parking and concession side. So. <laughs> yeah. It's beyond me, but no, we, do, okay. we do work oh. with them a lot. Yeah. Nice. I also wanted to get into the whole like, um, Air Canada WestJet discussion because like that's the biggest complaint and I, you just kind of rolled your eyes a little bit yeah. there. That's like the biggest complaint of uh, of I guess Edmontonians. People is living in Canada. It's like we need more options. Is like I feel like it's like an, a monopoly on uh, on airlines, yeah. and like it affects service and quality of, of of service as well. Like, do you guys struggle with that too internally? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like the thing is, is that we have to like, like we, we love our all airlines, right? Um, We just have to figure out the way to play the fairest with all of them. And that's kind of the game that we play with, with them. So, I mean, I agree that there needs to be, you know, it'd be nice if there were other players in the market. Um, I mean, Flair Airlines, yeah. they're based out of Edmonton and, and I think, you know, they're, they were making inroads and I don't know how much COVID-19 has set them back and really everyone in the industry and what that's even going to look like in five, 10 years. Like this whole thing could really shake it out to be something totally different and maybe better for people, maybe worse for people. So like, that's mm-hmm. why it's so hard to comment on is because everything is literally at a pivot point, like yeah. anything could change. And I mean, if you could buy a bunch of Boeing 737s and start your own airline and figure out how to make it float, go for it. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I think there'd be honestly be a market for it. So, I think well, so. Mo, let's keep that one in our back pockets. Yeah. I think we should set yeah. some money on the side just in case. Yeah. Just I'll, yeah. I'll put we it in my startup ideas venture. notes. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's there's definitely demand for it, and I mean, mm-hmm. WestJet and Air Canada are competing in the same. I mean, before COVID, they were competing in the same place of. WestJet was turning more international and using Swoop more for their domestic um, short haul stuff. So, mm-hmm. but that's all changed. So it's really tough to say what what would happen. Let's let's talk about this change because you also said there's a this yeah. we're in a pivot point right now. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you guys already kind of talking and strategizing for like the future and what the airline travel and choosing to look like and what your role is going to be yeah. in that space? Well, I mean, and we've been doing this since I think what March fifteenth, whenever everything right. sort of yeah. shut down. Yeah. And it's it's had maybe a hundred different scenarios since then. <laughs> so Jeez. I mean, it, you try to plan for the future, but it's so unknown that you almost can't, which is paralyzing in itself. Um, but the best thing you can do is really go week by week and just hope for the best and mm-hmm. hope that people can go places and case counts are down and that's literally the game you play (laughs) yeah so in terms of strategy like i know there's probably a bigger strategy that eia has um in terms of you know more like our our vision or our mission is uh more destinations um that's always always our plan um Mm -hmm. But I think right now we just have to like weather the storm and kind of figure out ways to make revenue to stay afloat. And then we'll just keep on keeping on after that. Interesting. It have You mentioned there was like a lot of scenarios. Has there been one that seems like super interesting to you or like the most probable or 
Like that would be the craziest thing if it happened, really. Uh, I mean, the scenarios have really been like, hey, we should try this. And then it's like, mm-hmm. no, but maybe we shouldn't because of this. Like, it's been a lot mm-hmm. of that. It's been a lot right. of like throwing ideas at the wall and see if they stick. And some have, you know, some have stuck and, and you know, they're, you know, sort of small plans, but it all sort of adds up in the end. So, I mean, there's really nothing that stands out to me. I know that we look at things every week and have a bit of a different plan and we have to adjust things as we go. Like when we started planning back in March, we thought, oh yeah, by like August, we'll be up and everything will be normal again. It Mm -hmm. was not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, and then August comes along and you're like, maybe September, maybe October, maybe November. And now we're like, maybe next year. I don't know. So it's just a sliding slope of everything. So, so that, that this means that this is a very, like, it seems like a very drastic change to how airports might go about their business because you previously mentioned that some like full tenures are dedicated to getting a new airline or, or whatnot. So is there like a noticeable change a little bit in the strategy or in the, in the operations and how you go about doing certain business now? for like the short term now as opposed to super long term? I would say if anything, the focus is to switch to non-aeronautical revenue generating business. So, Hmm. I mean, I think we're at more of an advantage because we've been set up for a while with, you know, some of our real estate opportunities. Um, And I think um, that's where we see a lot of that opportunity is real estate and cargo, like our cargo team in the span of like two months in the summer did a year's worth of cargo shipments in two months. And that was all like PPE and other things that were needed for the pandemic and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, that's kind of where things are shifting. It's less passenger driven and probably more business focused. Interesting. That's because I've, I've always thought about the airport as like very traveler first. And I think it has been, but I, I did not think that it would kind of move, get away from that. Yeah. And, and then that's not really our like main goal, but it's, you know, yeah. how do we keep the water out of the boat? It's the circumstance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so during this time where obviously people are not traveling, what are you, what are you doing at, like within the marketing team to like kind of stay relevant and stay kind of front of mind and travelers, you know, heads like, like, like state. How, yeah. Yeah. How, how do you kind of keep the, the, your, customers engaged and so that when everything was back this they come back to to eia like what are you doing to make sure that the drop off after the fact isn't too drastic yeah i mean we've had like air service campaigns over the summer um on our social media account that have been like hey you can visit this place virtually so we would feature like a destination that you could go to that would be one of our non-stops and show like hey you can check out this museum virtually and those sorts of things so we've been working on those campaigns and we featured like a destination every, uh, I think every week or every two weeks. Oh. So we're doing that to sort of stay top of mind. Um, that was sort of our, our main plan. And then we sort of peeled away the messaging as time went on because we found that tra- travelers were starting to go. Um, this was probably up until maybe like a week ago when the case counts got a little bit higher again. Um, so we're starting to look at that again, um, but it was stay home, keep dreaming. And that was sort of the, the message. And then we just peeled away the, um, stay home part. I think that's what happened. Peeled away the stay home part and just to keep dreaming. So it was a little less strict. Um, but the tricky thing is, is that we can't really promote traveling because the government says don't travel right now. So if we were to, it would be a little bit offside. So we're trying to. 
we're trying to support ourselves the best way we can. Um, and just, you know, if you need to travel, here's what we have. Here's your parking options for essential travelers, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I was about to like, it's an awkward, it's an awkward place to be in a little bit because on one, we, you know, we kind of talk about this with marketing sometimes it's, you know, on one hand, marketing is like super great. And it's what a lot of us want to do, but also sometimes you're promoting things in certain circumstances where it's like, you're not supposed to be traveling, but you're also an airport. So <laughs> It's it's a bit of an awkward yeah. place to be in, but you you kind of have to keep going with it. You got to keep pushing through, like, and that's I think we push it as far as we can until we can't, right. you know. And it's it's tough for us too because we haven't received it. Like, there's been no support for the airline industry in Canada, which is you know a bit of a letdown. And like, there was even when they did, the, the federal government said that they were taking or we, we wouldn't have to pay rent. We only have to pay rent on our revenue. So we pay a percentage of revenue. So there's no revenue. We're not paying rent. So it was kind of like, oh. It's a lose-lose pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like, there's no point in me. Thanks, yeah. thanks for the rent relief, but it yeah. really didn't do anything. So it's kind of, it's a little frustrating in that sense because you're just locked between, no, you can't travel. And also we're not helping you. So mm. we have to take every liberty we can. And I think right. that's why we're starting to focus more, I mean, short-term just on the non-aeronautical projects. So is the situation different uh, in different airports? And this might be the same maybe across Canada because of how the government is helping and or not helping the airlines. But you mentioned that airports in different countries are, are kind of treated as like different types of organizations. Do you guys have that kind of information to like know maybe how it's affecting some other airports and how they're going about it? Um, well, I wouldn't have that information up front. I'm sure that's discussed like maybe on like a manager level or a Fair director enough. level. Um, but um, I do know that like other airports in Canada, so we're the fifth largest. Um, your top ones are Toronto, Montreal, Calgary, and Vancouver. The top four were allowed to take in international flights. Yeah. So we were allowed- I was gonna ask you about that. I was going to ask you about that too. We were left on the edge of that, um, yeah. which sucks because like Calgary gets all the international service and, and mm -hmm. it just makes it just tougher for us. Right. What yeah. what went to that decision? Do you guys know like why those four were selected and why you were left out? Was it like a geography situation yeah. like issue? I'm, I'm sure it was a combination of let's just pick the top five and cut it off there. And mm -hmm. Calgary's close enough to Edmonton. So that's okay. I'm sure that yeah. was it. I'm, yeah so one per province i guess well not per yeah. province but yeah that's so. a bummer do, do you find that like the the location or like the geography of of edmonton places limitations on on the airport and air travel at all and like want to give us some details mm. what that's so, like i guess why, why that can be a bit of a challenge sometimes is that um i know airlines don't like to fly over a hub city because that I think that to them I don't know the full details of it, um, but when airlines are flying flying over a hub city, it's kind of seen as being inefficient. I think it's just part of their route planning and how they do all that. So I mean, when you think about a lot of the flights that go out of Edmonton or where people would want to go, I mean, the majority of places are south. <laughs> so you're flying over Calgary in that point. So the geography right there is a bit of a disadvantage. On the other hand, though. For um, like cargo shipments, we're actually a major cargo hub in North America. And the reason is that um, we have the shortest route to Asia. 
because they fly over the Arctic Circle. So I never really thought of that until I worked there. And then I was like, oh, that is shorter because you can just go straight up and down, right? Mm. So that's actually a huge selling feature for us is that, you know, we're kind of a port entry into North America for a lot of Asian markets. That's so interesting. So I, it's I didn't kind think of like about... a, it's like a yeah. lose this, but win this. So that, yeah. it, it know, really seems, both. it really seems like from this situation, the, the EIA is finding like a lot of strength in, in the cargo side of things <laughs> yeah. a lot more than maybe expected. And is, is that an element of the business that you're probably expecting to, to hang on to even when things go back to normal and travel is kind of recuperating? Oh yeah. I would, I like, I don't know the full plans, you know, for our cargo team, yeah. but I know that it, it's been, um, it's been a whirlwind whirlwind year for them. Um, and I think it was one of our best advantages. Like I, I think there's definitely an opportunity there and some of our real estate is definitely focused around supporting those businesses. Um, like we have, like the Amazon center opened up in Miscu, like the Amazon warehouse. Yeah. So that's another big piece of that too. And I want to say there's another one opening up. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, like cargo is big. It's still not as big as tr travel though. Yeah. yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. There's so many like interesting little nuances in travel, like, like the location and how it affects in proximity and other hub cities and stuff. Are there, are there any like really interesting things that you learned from like the, the past little while you've been doing this, but like just the, the intricacies of travel and oh. airlines? Uh, what did I learn today? I learned <laughs> that we can't serve U.S. grown tomatoes in our U.S. departures lounge. You can't. That's not no, allowed. It's not allowed. So even though we have the tomatoes in the like in the domestic part departure lounge, yeah, we can't bring in like any of the any of the produce that's likely sourced from the U.S. Anyway, isn't that kind of funny? So we had to modify a menu to service like our Phoenix Mesa flight that goes out. So they had to change because they had tomatoes and avocados and peppers and whatever that probably yeah. came from the States. So it's just like silly stuff like that. Oh. You're like, man, I would not think about because it's technically a US soil at that point. Are there yeah. a lot of these kind of finicky rules when dealing with, I guess, more oh, like yes. international based business like like an airport would be do you find a lot of really finicky things that you have to deal with yeah like i don't have to deal with them i just sort of learn about them as i go and i'm like wow that's <laughs> that's something i wouldn't have thought about um yeah like just things you don't think about yeah. you know i mean but you can also get a beer at six in the morning so i mean i don't when i'm working but <laughs> someone can <laughs> What's interesting is that um, I'm taking a, I'm taking an international marketing course right now, and it talks about just like being more aware of just like all the different factors that go into marketing internationally. You know, there's different cultures, languages, perceptions, idea, ideologies, all that stuff. Like through an airport, you're getting people from all around the world coming in and out, right? Like I think that doesn't that pose some sort of challenge, like to putting together your messaging or like picking like different colors and imageries to use in those. Like what's that must be so complicated because you can't really it's hard to make it universal. Yes. Yeah. Um, so luckily we have like our corporate communications team, which does all the signage and they do a great job at it, but there's mm. a lot of things that they have to deal with that I'm like, man, I would not have thought about that. Like it is a lot of, there's, I think there's a lot of rules that you have to sort of follow. Mm -hmm. um, we now, 
um, have to do all of our messaging in French and English. So yeah. I don't speak French. <laughs> and often I'll sort of forget that I need to do it. So I'll have everything sort of done, all my content written. And I'll be like, yeah, I want it like this. And then I'll have a reminder that'll be like, you also need it in French. And I'm like, oh, God. And then what you like, thought of doesn't always translate directly and they have to change it, it all. It does and, not. And then you got to book you know. a second ad spot for the French or cram it all into one. And you're like, this is what it looks like now. Yeah, um, it's so tricky. I would say the French is probably the biggest challenge. That's interesting. I'm so I'm from Ottawa originally, um, but very bilingual city. Uh, I'm also a very bilingual person. So uh, it's always been something that I kind of grew up with and it was super normal. And then I I guess here French is still present, but it's not like it's not like ingrained in it, like ingrained in everything. So uh, that's interesting that even when it, it feels like supernatural that like, yeah, airports should should be bilingual in Canada, blah, blah, blah. It might not come supernaturally in the workflow all the time. Yeah. And for the longest time, I it, I know like when I started, it was only for essential messaging. So mm. you'd only need to have like wayfinding in French and that sort of stuff. And then I think all that sort of changed and everything we put out has to be in French and English. So like, even if you're, you know, doing like an ad for chilies, it's got to be in French and English. <laughs> like, wow. So it's one of those things where, it, it, yeah, the rules sort of get away on you, but you got to see on top of them. So interesting. Can you recall any like, like big blunders where like it was a translation mistake or like there's something you guys put out and it was just wasn't what it was supposed to mean? Uh, it happens so much in international marketing. I learned, I've been learning so much <laughs> about it this semester. It's there's some funny examples. There's some yeah. really funny examples. I haven't, I mean, I don't speak French. So, I mean, I'd be embarrassed <laughs> if it was on one of my things. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> like, oh my God, what is that? No. Um, uh, who knows? I hope yeah, not. Right? I pray. <laughs> we do have we do have bilingual staff. It's just they're not like we do have bilingual staff at the um, like uh, passenger services departments, like our info booths and stuff. So I am positive if they saw something, they'd let us know. Um, yeah. But until then, you just have to hang tight. Like we have a handful of bilingual staff. Do you know if a lot of those like translations that need to be made or do they happen internally like among other bilingual staff or is there like a special translation place that you take up to because obviously you obviously do not just punch it into google translate and off she goes but i'm wondering if that's like <laughs> a different person on the marketing no. team or if it's like a whole other entity completely no. as much as i'd love to throw stuff in google translate i know that's kind of <laughs> a horrible ending um very bad idea we so our website is translated through like um a system that uses real people to translate it so whenever we upload content onto it it gets like scraped every 24 hours and then like a real person will translate it into french canadian um, and then post it on our site so we actually have this way of just uploading our content onto the site basically to get their translator to do it so we just have like a hidden page and then we peel our content off so it's like we're just doing it through like that service so we don't have to pay like another person to do it. We're just kind of rolling it into that one service. Should we should we jump into our uh, to our fun trivia game? 
let's do it. Hundred percent. Let's, do it. Alex, let's, let's yeah, jump you want, into it. Let's do it. Mo, okay. introduce it. First of all, so all our listeners know we do a little fun segment, you know, depending on who we have on. So today we're doing this airport code trivia, and you know, like there's those little codes that you that kind of signify what city, airport, blah blah blah. First of all, can you just like tell us what that's all about and why they're all so like different? And some of them. I just don't make any sense. And like some are for cities, oh. some are for airports. Why do all Canadian ones have a like, Y? Yeah. Okay. At the beginning. <laughs> so I looked that up. I was curious about that too. Um, I guess uh, I sound like I'm telling a stupid story when I tell this, but you can probably verify on Wikipedia after. Um, I guess many years ago, probably like in the early 1900s, they were actually purchased as radio stations. Um, and like, if you look in the States, like a lot of their radio stations will start with a W or a, what's the other one, a K. And that depends on what side of the Mississippi River they're on. So it has to do with sort of geographical locations. So all of Canada's were assigned a Y and they were actually radio stations. But then airports opened up and they just sort of assumed that code. And that's why like we have YEG as Edmonton um and then all the rest are what they are so it's that they were purchased so long ago kind of part of a different system like they should just change the system and make it like a universal system that everyone follows the same process i feel like that would shake so much up at this point (laughs) Yeah, like if you just completely change codes people are going to be like what is going why your bag will not end up where it was supposed to end up yeah no (laughs) don't mess with a good thing that's that already happens though that would probably be a marketing nightmare if yeah. all of like the Canadian airports change and now you got to like fight to be like, hey, no, it's the same place still. Everything works. Make sure it works so that we yeah. don't get blamed for things. Yeah. No, I would say just keep it the way it is. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Let's uh, let's get into <laughs> it. We, we have some pretty easy ones uh, in the beginning that we'll kind of do some little more. Just little, to get you warmed ones. up. Okay. How let's just I just want to get a little bit of a like a litmus test here. Like, how well do you think you know like all the different codes? Uh, like a five out of ten. Okay. <laughs> all okay. right. Cool. So we can see if you get hit above fifty uh, percent I, on this. I'm definitely not the like aviation nerd that works no, at no. the airport. I'm definitely there's others that are like they can tell you what planes flying in just by the sound of it. Wow. <laughs> I know it's impressive. I just, I just assume because like you probably are seeing these codes everywhere you look while you're working, like actually in the airport or like. Well, we actually, together. we actually write out the destination. So if it's like Amsterdam, it's Amsterdam. So I probably, hmm. I don't really see it that much unless I'm working in the baggage room, which no one lets me back there. Is that like a sacred role, the baggage room? No, not really. It's just if they give me access, I, I don't know, I'd probably press a button and your luggage would end up somewhere else. So I've seen I've happen. seen Toy Story 2. It looks like quite a complicated process once the bag gets onto the... Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mo, you want to get right. the first one? Sure. This, well, obviously, this one's pretty easy. Uh, can you just let us know what city is uh, Y-E-G? Oh, that's Edmonton. Lovely. lovely. <laughs> Alex, you want to go back and forth? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go back and forth on this. What about that's Y-V-R? Good. Oh, Vancouver. Okay. Okay. Uh, y Y Z. Toronto. Okay. Yeah. More specifically, <laughs> I hate to be that guy. Oh, sorry. But Pearson. Toronto See, that's the thing. Uh, you know how like like Y like Y G is Edmonton, by Y Y Z is Pearson Airport specifically. Like, like why does one have to? Because mm. I know Toronto has multiple airports. I get that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that would be why. (laughs) Yeah, they'd be different airports. Like we have uh, like the Villeneuve airport is ZBL. So there's a Mm. villain, like we, Edmonton International Airport, like Edmonton Airports owns and operates it too. So we actually have two airports that we own and operate. Um, The Villeneuve Airport's over by like St. Albert, just north of St. Albert. And it's just, it's more like, like small aircraft, like someone wants to take their Cessna up or whatever. Interesting. Yeah. So that's why it's a, it's literally for that one tower. (laughs) Interesting. That's fine. All right. You're up. We're heading, we're heading a little outside of Canada now, (laughs) but still, but still easy. Don't worry. LAX. Oh, Los Angeles. All right. Very good. Uh, JFK. New York. Mm -hmm. And specifically the. The oh, John Kennedy. F. Yeah, Kennedy, the John yeah. F. Kennedy one in New York, because New York's <laughs> got like say, like the JFK. Is it JFK? Yeah, it's just JFK. Yeah, yeah pretty so. much. Okay, now now we're gonna tune up the difficulty level a little bit. Well, L H R. London Heathrow. There we go. Yeah. This yeah, you're 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 killing it. Uh, this one's also very very easy. <laughs> it's M I A. Oh, Miami. Mm-hmm. D X B. Uh, Dublin. No, damn. We finally stumped her. Yeah. Mm, I should have pulled up my cheat sheet. (laughs) (laughs) Is that in the states? No. Yeah, I don't know. Pass. It's uh, it's Dubai. Uh, yeah, we That's a tough one. Not a lot of Dubai flights coming out of Edmonton. <laughs> out of Edmonton There's probably. a whole b- zero of them. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so it should be fun for these next few because we did not check of where uh, yeah it flies through directly. Um, this one's also not that not that hard. Uh, Syd. Sydney, Australia. G L A. Georgia or uh, Atlanta? No. Nope. GLA. Not in the States. Oh, Glasgow. Yeah. Um, uh, SHA. Shanghai. Really yeah. Nice. H- you're, you're definitely oh. above 50%. You're yeah, you're crushing it. You're good. You're good. <laughs> all right, all right. HND. HND. This one's a toughie. This is a tough one. Yeah. This one's super tough. <laughs> and I cannot confirm that they have direct flights. <laughs> yeah, for Probably sure not. they do not. I don't think they Probably do. Probably not. <laughs> this one's a super wild one. I'll have to pass on that one. It also that, doesn't make much sense. That one's Tokyo. That one is... Oh, uh, man. Yeah, like how would you have guessed? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. It's because it's the name of the, it's based on the name of the airport, which we've also noticed. Sometimes it's city, sometimes it's weird radio tower, and then sometimes it's just like the individual name of the airport. So, so do you understand my, my, like my request <laughs> to like set up a universal system? Like it's so all over the place. I know it's going to cause it's mass true. hysteria, but I it would mean, just cause some, some, some consistency here. That's all I'm asking for. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, the next one is FRA. Frankfurt. Yeah. I thought, I thought my immediate, immediately I go to France. I was like, the, just the country, but well, we, we had a, we had a, we were going to launch a fl- flight to Frankfurt direct back in mm. June and then everything happened. Oh, see that. So was we would the... have had direct Frankfurt service. 
That was the little curveball. I I imagine that it, it you know the FRA is definitely like associated with France, but I also threw Frankfurt because I feel like every time I've flown to Europe as a kid from like Ottawa or Toronto, I've always had a flight going through Frankfurt. For some reason, it seemed like every European trip was through Frankfurt. So I always, I, I had like FRA in my brain. For me, it's Heathrow. Every time I've flown internationally, it's always through Heathrow. I've never been through Heathrow. And that's so funny. So strange. Uh, okay, last one. This last one is CPT. Hmm. Cairo? No. Nope. I don't know. You weren't. You sure you don't want to guess? CPT. Yeah. I have never seen that one in my <laughs> life. <laughs> that one, hey, you uh you were on the right continent for that one. Uh oh, Cape Town. Cape Town. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Good yeah. stuff. So I think you batted like 12 for 14. That's okay. That's, that's more than okay. I'll, that's really that's good. better than five out of 10. I'll tell you what. <laughs> for sure. For sure. That was going to be that. No, you killed it. Much Before for- we go, you are obviously around the airport a lot. Uh, you got any like anything you've noticed, like tips and tricks for going through an airport, whether it be for efficiency or like any other cool thing that you're like, when you go to an airport, you should know this. You should get there early. (laughs) (laughs) My only tip and trick is you never know what can happen. So let me ask you this. Has has you working for the airport changed the way you travel as a traveler? Um because now you know like the the behind the scenes of it. Okay, here I guess my only tip, and I learned this. I went on a tour of the baggage room like last last year. And you want to make sure you lay your bag. Like when you have to plop the bag on your belt on the belt yourself, you want to mm-hmm. put it down flat and make sure you sort of have your tag so your tag is also laying flat on the belt and not like tucked under. Because if the little machines and scanners in the back can't read it, it can get sent. Usually it doesn't, but it can get sent off into a pile where then they have to manually look at it. And mm-hmm. so that can delay your bag or have the opportunity to end up somewhere else. So my number one fear in flying is like, will my bag get there? And I know that's like, there's other things that I should worry about, but that's what I'm clearly (laughs) concerned about. Um, So yeah, for me, I was like, oh, good to know. Like just lay your little tag flat, so. And are you you a big traveler? Like, do you like to kind of travel a lot? I mean, it's stopped now, but. Well, yeah, not now. (laughs) Uh, But in the past. Compared to other people, I wasn't like a big traveler. Like, I mean, I would dabble in the odd trip to Vegas or Mexico or go skiing in Kelowna or whatever, but um, that will probably change. So, uh, oh, here's so, this is like a as somebody who like works in an airport, are there like certain benefits that apply to traveling through the airport? There, there have to be, there has to be. <laughs> I mean, you you get free parking, which is your parking um underrated underrated that yeah is i know, part- I know. Parking, <laughs> parking can be pretty pricey parking um, can be pretty pretty helpful i mean other than like an employee discount in the restaurants and it doesn't apply to alcohol um we can use our we can use our pass <laughs> like our little uh our pass so we can go through like the what do you call it not the express line i can't even think of what it's called anymore the nexus line so we can use that to go through like the nexus line uh-huh. um so I like I can cut through a big lineup if I need to if I'm traveling. Be honest, somewhere. do you have your own like exclusive lounge 
for when I you're traveling. Oh, I wish. That sounds I like that'd be the not, best perk. You have the break room. Yeah. I get the corner over by Starbucks. That's what I yeah. did. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thanks so much. Take a time out of your hectic schedule. No worries. Uh, thanks, guys. And talk to us. We learned so much from you about the airline industry and airport industry. It's been great. And uh, and yeah, good luck with with figuring things out at the airport. And Thanks. I uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like after it's all said and done. And how it's gonna change? Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to be back at the airport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. It's been fun. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you too. Take care. So. The big note to self is if you're in a rush at the airport, don't just throw your bag. Don't throw your bag. If you're gonna, if you're gonna cheap out on some on some time saving thing, mm-hmm. do it, but don't do it when you're throwing the bag onto onto the uh, for sure the conveyor for sure. because you don't want you don't want it to leave without it. Yeah, hundred percent. So one. so um, number one travel tip. Summer, not last summer, the one before, like two years ago, I went to Egypt to visit my grandparents. Oh. And one of my bags didn't show up until the day after. And we were like stuck late at the airport and they had to come back the next day to grab it, go to security again. It was, it was a mess. So now I'm thinking, was that because I just chucked it and it went somewhere it wasn't supposed to go? That's probably my fault. But now but now I think that's very eye-opening because like we always blame the airport for losing our luggage. But like, what if it's our fault? Think yeah, I think I think talking think to Paige uh, really showed where different roles kind of fall. And mm-hmm. like who's responsible for what kind of things, yeah. uh, which is really cool. Take it easy on EIA, you guys. Guys, come on, take it easy. Come on, they're struggling um, too. They're trying. Oh to yeah, I think everyone's struggling right now. The most interesting thing, or probably one of the most interesting things, that like I didn't think about them having to do with like parking services and and all that. Those yeah. little things. I was thinking, I was thinking big stuff. I was thinking like flights. I was thinking, you know, the cargo. But there's always like little things that they'll still have to think about. Because like if parking, she said it was like their biggest revenue stream, they really got to put some time and focus to parking. Like they yeah, can't really they have just a, ignore it. They have a whole team that has nothing to do with the flights at all, which mm. is which is really cool. And you kind of think it's the core business and you find out there's a few core businesses and a few places you can kind of find yourself. Yeah. Um, well, for, for me, what I didn't really think about is not only marketing the airport to the people who would use the airport leaving Edmonton. Mm-hmm. But like the like the B two B of having people wanting to come into Edmonton and like having airlines wanting to to fly into Edmonton and you yeah. know normally when we think it's like it's a business that you can kind of take for granted because it's like we're in Edmonton where else would we fly out of well the rest of the world has the rest of the world to fly to and exactly. so that's sort of where their main fight in terms of exactly. marketing and trying to attract people comes from. Yeah, like how do you how do you make it worthwhile for an airline to fly to Edmonton today rather than putting that plane in Brazil? Like, like there's with that with that decision comes an opportunity cost because you're missing out on wherever else you could have went. And how how AIA makes sure that it's dumb. That sounds like one hell of a headache and one hell of just like a overwhelming (laughs) problem to solve. It seems like a massive project because you have to make it viable to the business. And then you also have to make it attractive to the individual like customer, the consumer. 
Yeah. Um, and then, and then once you, you get that airline to fly through Edmonton, I got to make sure that you, you got bodies on that flight. You like, you have to make sure that you, you, you sell tickets because yeah. if you sell a flight to an airline and then it's like half full, you're not getting the airline again, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Like, that's that's going to be tough. So like, it's, you have to kind of, you're this middleman of these two sides and they're both uber complex. Yeah. There's crazy there's, complex. And it doesn't seem like there's just one layer to it at any point in time. Like it seems like every element of the airport and having to market it, you have like a couple of people or a couple of stakeholders to kind of market it to. Yeah, Uh, definitely. Which, which turned, which turns out it's not as a, it's not as simple of a, of a thing as maybe we, we came into this thinking it, it would be. Absolutely. Which is really cool. It's very opening. Which is very typical listeners. In all honesty, yeah, honesty, because airports, I mean, again, we, I've said it, airports look like the most complicated thing. I don't know how you go about setting up an airport. Too many processes. Just logistically, just logistically lo- nightmare. And marketing's nightmare. no different, apparently. Yeah, no. But it no, could be fun. Not at all. But I learned a lot, and I'm hoping our listeners learn a lot, too. Um, yeah. I, I don't have a quote of the day for you today, because I just feel like there's so much information coming at us. Yeah. There's a lot to learn. And uh, so I think I think our listeners you're gonna probably gonna take away from it what you what you want to because yeah. i think there's a lot to take away from that so totally now, i gave you guys seven quarter of the days last yeah time, so, so why don't, don't you so listen greedy. to the listen to the podcast yourselves okay <laughs> yeah come on relax come on yeah you know what I, you know what i think about when we're uh when we're doing these little outros like what if everyone already just like hopped off the podcast so we're just talking to nobody right now what if people just like wait till the guest is gone and then they just pause and headphones out and just move on you think about that ever just talking to nobody we're just talking into the ether right now um i'm listen it's not quite my first time out here but i'm still (laughs) i'm still pretty new so i i haven't quite gotten to the point where i was overthinking but uh Mm. i'm definitely gonna worry about that from now on sorry to do that to you if if you have listened to the end let us know let us know we appreciate it yeah come on let us know on the Instagrams. Let us know, comment, be like, hey, love the outro. Mo and Alex are great. Um, let us know how much you missed Janeo today. And yeah, thanks a lot for joining us on this uh on this on this crazy lesson about the airline industry. And uh let us know what you thought of it. We're still trying to figure out what we're doing here. Let us know what you want on the podcast. Like we don't have it all figured out. So if you want a certain industry or a certain professional to come on and like shed some light on specific topics or areas of marketing, absolutely, just just ask us because we'll just be like, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And then we'll just try to do it. Like we're not going to say no. Yeah, we're always um, looking for for new suggestions, new suggestions and like cool people, yeah. cool industries. So we're, we're very open to anything you guys have in mind. So don't exactly. be shy. Lovely. Anything else you want to add, Alex? Is it bad to say no? It's good to say no sometimes. Set your boundaries. Bam. Okay. Life lessons. Life Love lessons. It. Love if, it. if if you stay to the Quote end, of the day. boom. Quote of the day. Quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> There's an extra life lesson in there for you if you stick right yeah. to the end. Never count it's okay us to out. Say no. It's okay to say no sometimes. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. That's episode two, season three. That's a wrap. Oh.